I, I'm going to say something. Um, all this month, we've been we've been saying things that that kind of the, the mentality is. This may appear to be a very sim- simplistic statement about the Bible to some, and to some it may be a shocking statement about the Bible. But I'm going to say it because it's what we're trying we're trying to grow in, in our maturity, right? December 25th is not the birthday of Christ. It's nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible will you find the church coming together to celebrate or to observe as a holy day the birth of Christ. Not in the way you will things like the death of Christ or the resurrection of Christ. So to understand why we do some of the things that we do, I'm going to give you a little bit of Wes's thought process Uh, to come together and say that we're going to have a holy day of observance um, and at the same time say everything we do, we do based on New Testament authority and we ought to demand of thus saith the Lord, would it seem to me to be at least inconsistent? Now, you can have that conversation at lunch. All that being said, can I tell you that I would never... I would never discourage someone from talking about Jesus, the Son of God. I mean, a Christian should never discourage those things. We can talk about those things, but we should never discourage. We need more people talking about Jesus. My observation is, listen, even at this time of year, I don't hear a lot of people talking about Jesus that wouldn't ordinarily be talking about Jesus. Now, sometimes we talk about how people talk about Jesus that don't ordinarily talk about Jesus. I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't see that in, in our world today. But there was, a time when, there was a time when people used to talk about Jesus who wouldn't ordinarily talk about Jesus. I was thinking back in, in, in my mind um, th- this week, when, when I was in fifth grade, I, I'm, a, I'm a product of um, public education in Sykeston, Missouri, Okay? And when I was in the fifth grade, you think that's funny. I don't know why you think that's funny, but 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 that that that's. My, but I was in the fifth grade. Do, do you know that there was a, a little a little fat kid who had a solo? I had a solo in front of an entire auditorium of people singing in my public school about the angels and the birth of Christ. Can I tell you that that was a different world than we live in today? I mean, and I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about, about how, di- I'm not that old. I know y'all were thinking that. And, 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 but, but that was a different world. I, I'm thinking we would be better off if we had more people talking about Jesus that don't ordinarily talk about Jesus. And, 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 and in my mind, I, I thought back, I thought back to 1965. Now, I wasn't alive in 1965, okay? But, but most of you have seen a Charlie Brown Christmas. Raise your hand if you've seen a Charlie Brown Christmas, okay? Pretty much universally in this room, you've seen a Charlie Brown Christmas. And if you haven't, I mean, I'm sorry, okay? Uh, I don't know who raised you, but, but th- th- this is... A Charlie Brown Christmas was... What was on network television in 1965. That's 12 years before I was born. 
And, 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 and if you know anything about, about Charlie Brown, and I, I'm, I'm getting somewhere with, with this, I promise. Okay? If, if you know anything about Charlie Brown, it, it, it's this... You know, it's this great story that's told about this boy named Charlie Brown who's he's trying to figure out life, right? He's trying to figure out why are people doing the things that they're doing or not doing the things that they're doing, and he's just continually being frustrated. People are always pulling the football out from in front of him and things of that nature. And, and, and Charlie, Charlie looks around and he just sees materialism everywhere. Right? And, and he's, he's trying, he's trying to, to wrap his, his mind around this, but he's not really sure what to do about it. I think it's probably the reason that we all raised our hand, because that's something that probably resonates with every one of us in this room, right? That we just, I mean, we, we, we see the world, and by the way, this, was the, this is what he was seeing in 1965, so what we're seeing in 2023, I mean, to not see this, I think we're probably blind. But, but, but kind of like Charlie Brown, I don't really know what to do about these things. And so his friend Lucy suggests, well, you ought to be the director of, of this Christmas pageant that's going on. And, and that doesn't go well, and the, they don't listen to him, and it's typical Charlie Brown stuff. And, and he really just, at the end, he's like, well, there's one thing he can do, is he can provide the, this, this awesome Christmas tree that's going to be the, the centerpiece for everything. And, well, you know the best he can come up with this is this poor pathetic pathetic excuse for a tree that you kind of see uh, that you kind of see behind me, and of course this just frustrates everyone. And, and it's in the context of of all of all of this frustration that that one of Charlie's friends comes up on the stage, this little boy named Linus, right? And and Linus. Well, if you know anything about Linus, you, you, you might know that, that he's a big fan of the, the Great Pumpkin, right? And that, that's the Halloween special. And, and, and Linus, he, what he's probably best known for, Linus is constantly sucking his thumb and carrying around his blue, little blue security blanket everywhere that he goes, right? Everywhere that he goes, he's got this blanket. And you're not going to turn him loose from this blanket. Some of you have had security blankets. Some of you probably still have security blankets, right? And, and so Linus, Linus steps onto, onto the stage, and he starts to quote the Bible. He, he quotes from Luke chapter 2. Now, now you've got to understand that this is 1965. So some, some of you younger people are not going to understand this, and I'm just... Just old enough that I can understand what it was to have network television, right? That that, that there are only there are only really three choices to if, to to watch with TV. Uh, you didn't have fifty bajillion channels that had nothing on them, and, and 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 you didn't have you know well this is some religious channel out there or this is some church. That, that, this is what everybody's watching. You and your grandparents and your great grandparents. I mean, this is. This is of the world, if, if, if you will. And he starts to quote from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. He says, and there, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, and you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Right there on prime time television. Can you imagine? Can you imagine tonight you're going to get home and you're going to turn on the Dallas Cowboys football game because that, that, they're playing th- th- this evening? And right there in the middle of the game, we're going to take a break. Biggest crowds ever watching this. And we're, we're just going to read from God's inspired word. I mean, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, just just kind of wrap my, that is not the world we live in. I would not expect to hear a reading of God's Word during the Dallas Cowboys football game tonight, okay? I mean, they got to make sure they don't get the camera too close to their lips, just in case you can read lips. That, that's, that's the world we live in. This was a different world. And, 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 and it, was, it was in this reading that, that this, this, right there in the middle of this reading of the Scripture, that, that Linus well, he does something that, that, that's interesting to me. Right there in the reading of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, Linus, this little boy who sucks his thumb and carries the security blanket everywhere he goes. You know what he does? Have you seen this? He drops his blanket. He puts his blanket down. Right when, right when they're standing there in the presence of angels and they were very afraid... The angel said unto them, Fear not. And those are more than just words. This little boy Linus took his blanket and he put it on the ground. He put it on the ground because it was symbolic of, it was symbolic of what went on on that day and what ought to be going on all throughout our lives. This idea that, that we can have peace this idea that, that, that we need not be a people that, that, that are filled with fear in life because Jesus is here. Because Jesus is with us. We, we as a people, we, we tend to cling to things that, that we, we, we think they will keep us safe, don't, don't we? I like safety as much as anybody, right? And, and, and we, we tend to cling to those things. We we cling to, Brian did a great job with our communion and our offering, and, and we, we tend to cling to our, to our money, to our possessions, because we, we think that we, we'll find security in hard times if we've only saved enough, or we, we cling to, to relationships that, that, that we have with friends or family, or we, we, we hold on tightly to, to our own intelligence or our status or we find our comfort in, in food or in alcohol. Some people find, find their safety in isolation or, or in the accumulation of weapons and guns and things like that because we think as long as I keep these things close, I'm going to be safe. And, and in a lot of ways, we're just like Linus, Right? We're just like Linus, who as long as I've got this blanket right here beside me, everything's going to be okay. And we all look at that little boy and we say, okay, that's just a blanket. Do you, you understand that that's not really what's going to give you peace? That's not what's really going, going to get you through? 
But, but I think the whole script could be flipped to each one of us, and I just named a few, maybe you could name others, of, of these things that, do you understand that that's not really going to keep you safe? There are a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of brains and a, and a, and a, lot, of, and a lot of stuff in life, and, and they've done this and they've made these choices, and I'm going to tell you, it'll all let you down. It will all let you down. You read the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It's just a book where this, where this, this king is trying to figure out what's it all about. And he comes to realize, listen, it's not about any of these things. To fear God and keep His commandments, this is the whole of man. And while it's not quite accurate that the Bible says 365 times for 365 days of the year, do not fear, that doesn't have that many, it's in the Bible hundreds of times. Hundreds of times we are told, do not fear. I thought about the children of Israel when when, when, the, when the sea was on the one side and the armies of Pharaoh were, were on the other, and you would look at that and you would say, they have every reason to be afraid, right? And, and in that moment, they, they, they start doing something that is so foolish. They start, they start speaking to Moses and, and saying, you should have left us as slaves in Egypt. You see, there are these, all of these people, and they're clinging they're clinging to their life as slaves in Egypt. Because at least when we were a slave, we, we had the pretense of safety. At least when we were slaves, we had the pretense of, of, of not dying out here, right? At least we had some control over these things. And we look at that and we say, are you crazy? Are you really saying to Moses, you should have left us as slaves? And Moses said to the people, Moses, Moses said to the people in Exodus 14 and verse 13, do not be afraid. Do he's not saying, well, you guys obviously don't understand what's going on. That's not, he, he doesn't say, well, let me explain to you exactly what it doesn't say any of that. He says, I'm telling you, don't be afraid. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand still. Cease your own striving. That's really hard for some of us, right? But that's what I want you to do. Because I'm going to tell you what, you can't beat that army and you can't part that sea. There's a lot of stuff in life like that, isn't it? You can't beat that army and you can't part that sea. So all of a sudden, you, you get crazy and think, you'd be better off as a slave. That's what they said. You stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see no more forever. And of course, we know how that story ends, and God delivers them, and God's the one that parts, and God's the one that parts the sea and, and destroys the, the, the Egyptians in that place. But, but when you read a text like that, and, and, and you just have to come away with, with, with these Israelites who are clinging to their slavery to understand there are far too many of us at times, who are clinging, who are holding on to, to our lives as slaves to sin. People hold on to it, don't they? Even, even when it's wrecking their life, even when it's causing them problem after problem after problem, right? 
yeah, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm safe there, I'm secure there, and this this lie, right? And Jesus says, fear not. Fear not. I want you to take your blanket and I want you to put it on the ground. You, you think about 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6 and, and verse 16, when, when the servant of the man of God wakes up and there's an army that's surrounded them. There's an army that, that surrounded them, and, and he goes to his master, and he says, what are we going to do? What, I mean, you, you, you need to get a game plan. But what, what are we going to do? Because I'm telling you that, that there is nothing to do here. And the, and, the prophet says, and the prophet says in 2 Kings in verse 16, do not fear. How easy is it for us to say, that's, that's preacher talk, right? I mean, what, what the preacher's supposed to say, do not fear, right? Wouldn't you expect that? Wouldn't shake your head up and down. I know you're... Right? You would expect it's not preacher talk. It's not something well, he's supposed to say that, but we all know, but we all know the real world. No, this is the real world. This is the real world because life life will surround you. When you can't go right or you can't go left, you can't go forward. You can, I mean, I, I would do something if I knew what to do. I would handle this in a way if I thought there was a good way to handle it. But let me be real honest, we're just surrounded. Surrounded by life. And the man of God says, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And he prayed, he prayed that his servant's eyes would be open to see this spiritual reality. See, those things that we run from in life, those things that fill us with fear, that we respond to out of fear, we all have them, right? So often when we're trying to deal with, with, those, with those issues of life, we, we're, holding on, we're holding on to the need for a, a physical solution. We're, we're holding on to have, to have perfect understanding. Okay, Lord, I'm willing to feel better about this thing that, that's, that, that's causing great anxiety and fear in my life. I will feel better about that. All I need you to do is, is I need you to sit down and explain to me exactly how you're going to handle this step by step. And once you do that, let me think about it for a little bit, and then I'll be willing to follow you. It, that, that's, that's not how God works. That's not how God works here. He says that we are a people, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are a people that walk by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders of old gained approval. By what? By their faith. They had problems just like you have problems. They had fears just like you have fears. But they overcame those things not by receiving a physical solution, but a spiritual solution. It's about how we see the world. Were those shepherds still not out in the field in the presence of angels? And I'm going to tell you what, angels are scary business. Read the Bible. Angels are scary business. No, but there's this spiritual reality that, 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 that they began to see. I thought about Jesus when he was in, in the midst of the storm and, and, and they were in a boat and there was a storm that, that was brewing and, and they, all, they all thought that they were going to die and, and, and they go to Jesus who's taking a nap and, and, and they say, do you not care that we're perishing? I mean, Lord, do you not know what's going on down here in my life? You ever feel that way? I think it's one of the most relatable verses in all the Bible. Lord, I mean, surely, I, I maybe, maybe you missed this one, but I just want to bring you up to speed at this stuff that we're struggling with because I sure could use some help right now. 
That's kind of that's what they said to Jesus. And he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves, you know, peace, peace, be still. And then he turns to his disciples and he said, why are you so fearful? Well, you know, there's the wind and the waves. And you know, let me explain to you about why I'm so fearful. Because I promise you, if you were ever on a little boat in the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the storm, it would have, it would have your anxiety up a little bit, okay? Jesus says, no, no, no. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? See, that you know what their greatest mistake was? They, they just forgot that Jesus was in the boat. That's what they, that, that was not a part of their equation. Their equation was wind and waves and boat and sea and all of these things that equal dead disciples. And they didn't figure in the fact that Jesus the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who gave them the very breath that they breathe, that he was also in the boat. So often I just wonder, when we're filled with fear, and at times we're filled with fear, aren't we? We're just like that little kid with, you know, with our blanket that we have to take everywhere because we just can't function without, without that blankie. that we just forget that Jesus is with us. And, and when we begin to understand that, when, when, when we begin to understand that, that's when we can put the blanket down. Whatever that blanket is in your life, see, th- 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 that's, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the power of Jesus Christ. This is the news that says you can overcome even sin itself. This is the news that says you can overcome even the consequences of sin. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it simple. It makes it, it, makes it a life of faith to fear not. I'm going to tell you, I've, I've held a lot of people's hands through a lot of stuff in my life. So have you. Enough to know that, that there's a, a lot of stuff in life I don't have good answers for. I don't, I don't know what you ought to do. I don't know how you ought to respond. I don't know what the answer. Because the only answer is the presence of Jesus. And, and some people say, well, that's what Christmas is all about. Well, the, the, that, that's, that's not Bible. Brethren, that's what life is all about. To be a people who feel and embrace the presence and the reality of of the Son of God in this world and in our lives and in our eternity. That that child was God in the flesh that grew to be a man and a perfect man and a perfect man who gave his life on the cross for my sin and for your sin to be that sacrifice so that we need not be sacrificed to pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin. And he invites you and me to be born again through his blood. To be immersed for the remission of our sins. Man, we say that so often it almost sounds like nothing. You think about your sin for a minute. You think about your sin problem. You've all got one. I do and you do. Everybody does. And the only hope that you have is the greatest hope that you have. It's in the form of Jesus, the Son of God. 
And he's the one that invites you to fear not. He says, you, you don't need to be afraid because I am with you. And I don't think it's insignificant that when he's giving us the Great Commission, you know that evangelism thing that we're all scared to death to share our faith with somebody else, right? That what he, what he says is a part of that Great Commission to go into all the world. And lo, I am with you. Why? Because if you know that he's with you, you don't have to be scared. But can I tell you, if Jesus Christ is not with you, you ought to be scared to death. You really ought to be. Not because of him, but because of your rejection of him. He's trying to save you. Even this very moment, even this very morning, Jesus Christ desires that you be saved and that I be saved. That's why he came into the world, John 3 and verse 17. That's why, that's why he died on the cross. That's why one day he's coming back again. He's coming again, not in the form of a baby but he's coming in the clouds to bring his church home. You be counted with that number. If you have a need this morning, you come as we stand and as we sing.